The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Where we're delighted to be joined for the Culture Club today by Rory O'Neill, also known as Panty Bliss. And before we get to his choices, Rory, as Panty Bliss is emceeing this year's Rock Against Homelessness concert in Aid of Focus Ireland. Rory, when is it on and how has it been done this year? It's on uh, the 20th, uh, which is uh, next Sunday. Um, and ticket ma- tickets from Ticketmaster are 23 euro and it's available for seven days afterwards. It's all done online this year, um, which uh, has its challenges and all, but actually works out in some ways because unlike previous years when everything was done in the Olympia on the night, um, we're not limited this year in the number of tickets we can sell. So that's good for focus. And also it meant... Um, that uh, you know it was good for the lineup it was easy to get people to agree to do it and uh, um well people are usually delighted to help focus anyway but um it means we have people performing um from other venues not just the olympia this year although a lot of it is from the olympia yeah i'm just going to ask that there are some setups that's going to be done on stage in the olympia albeit without the audience in front of them the live audience yeah. it'll be done online instead who have you got this year uh, well, we have Pillow Queens, um, arguably the hottest band in the world at the minute. Um, there's uh, Rodrigo Gabriela, Aslan, Wyvern Lingo, Blind Boy Boat Club. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm missing some there, but um, Gilbert O'Sullivan, your Maori delight. Um, yeah, loads of people. Okay, how you, how much of a challenge do you think is oh, this going Tolu to be? McKay. How could I forget Tolu McKay? Yeah. How much of a challenge is this going to be for yourself? Do you reckon in actually getting an atmosphere going as the MC when you have an empty audience or auditorium in front of you and you're performing for the web? Well, I have had fifteen months to get used to performing for me living room for Zoom audiences and all that kind of thing. So um, it's all well in hand and a great director on board and everything. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be great. How have you dealt with performing from your living room? I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Um, uh, It's just like, you know, the whole reason I and, you know, performers get into this whole thing is because we're whores with the clap and the atmosphere and all of that stuff. And... um, you know, it was great to be able to still do some stuff online over the pandemic and all that. Um, but it's just never going to replace being in front of a live audience. You know, when you're standing in your living room, you you do your bit or your thing and it's over. And then you're standing alone in your living room. <laughs> like, it's just not, it's not it. It's just not it. So you feel very flat afterwards, do you? Yeah, you don't get any of the buzz and the fun of it you know um you know like all performers it's about the sort of the live interaction and the energy in the room and all that and even then afterwards it's also about the you know having a drink with the other people and you know and all of that is missing in a in a zoom i mean you know i think people are so used to watching things on screens these days and everything it's maybe less of a jolt for the audience but for the performer it's yeah, it's not the same. When it comes to meeting people, have you got Panty Bar going again outside dining on Cable Street? We have, thank God. We reopened last Monday for outdoors and um, it's gone fantastically well. Um, it's just been really great to, I just to see the old regular customers that we haven't seen in 15 months and uh, 
and just you know just faces that you'd almost forgotten used to be in your life because you know the kind of people you only bump into every now and then and to see them again and and of course the great weather for the first weekend and everything all really helped so um we're just thrilled to have the the doors open again even if it's not entirely the same it's it's yeah we're delighted of course you were in the news because there was some louts got involved in putting uh, homophobic graffiti up on a building near yours, pointing towards the bar. How encouraged yeah. have you been by the public reaction of support against that? Ah, the reaction has been, you know, great. Um, you know, I, I hesitated to post a drug. Sometimes I don't, you know, you don't even want to give these things oxygen. Um, but it was just a bit gut punching that one, partly because what they wrote was really disgusting. And secondly, because um, it was just after our first opening weekend, you know, they did it on the Sunday night. And I was just like, after such a great weekend and finally reopening after 15 months, then some dick to come along and do that. Um, so I, I stick it up for that. Um, but, you know, in some ways, water's off a duck's back in general. I mean, um, yeah, but do you ever you know, get used to that? Before. I mean, maybe you've been living your life dealing with homophobia, but. Is there a situation whereby you sort of become that you ignore it or does it still hurt in the way that some people wanted to hurt you and should it hurt on the basis that yes it's a deliberate affront to your feelings? Um in general the kind of stuff or you know say for that we're talking about around the bar that uh, no it doesn't hurt. Um that one just was a you know particularly annoyed me a because of what they actually wrote and B, because it was just after our first opening yeah. end after a few months. But, you know, um, you know, we've had other incidents in the past, of course. Um, you know, the, in fact, the last last Pride, you know, a, a guy chucked a brick through the window with fags out written on it, smashed the window while there was customers inside. You know, so that was worse, really. But most of that stuff, it really is water off a duck's back. You know, um. We are a loud and proud gay bar sitting on a corner with, you know, my name above the door. And, you know, so people can write to me, um, you know, you don't have to go looking for some secret address. You know, they can just write to the bar and they do. And while lots of times people are writing for nice reasons, um, we get a steady, fairly constant. I mean, not, you know, not, I'm not talking about every day or anything, but a very steady, very regular stream of absolute nonsense sent to us um some of it just been straight up abusive and uh, a lot of it sort of you know couched in some sort of fake concern because we're all going to go to hell and you know we need to turn to jesus or whatever says um, an awful lot more about the people who do it than probably says about <laughs> you doesn't it? it it does and we honestly we just laugh about it in the bar like when we get one you know another one you know, we share it around while we're, you know, setting up the bar that day and everybody's having a good laugh about it. Um, so it really is water off a duck's back and it doesn't. And, I, and, and I'm very, very aware that, that those people don't represent any sort of majority view or whatever. Um, like I said, that one there the other day, just because it was particularly disgusting what they wrote and the fact that it was just after our first opening Indeed. weekend and we were all in such great moves about it, it just really pissed me off, that one. OK, listen, let's get to your choices for the Culture Club. We ask every guest uh, to nominate the first single. Not everyone uh, remembers sing singles. I have to say, you are old <laughs> enough to have bought a single. I am. <laughs> I am. And you're my first... You know, I actually very clearly remember buying my first single. Um, 
and it's a really weird one. Um, and partly I remember it so much because I have older brothers and sisters, so a lot of my music when I was younger were influenced by them. And uh, I bought my first single. It was um, Mary's Boy Child by Boney M, but I bought it in like a little... What you what the Americans call a garage sale or yard sale, like you know our our neighbors were having like I don't know why I can't remember why selling stuff off in, out of boxes in their garage, and I bought Mary's Boy Child by Boney M, and I was thrilled because you know I felt more grown up. I was buying my own records, even if it was out of somebody's garage. Let's hear a little bit of it. Okay, that's as much as I can listen to. I have to admit. <laughs> Were you a holy little boy, Rory? I wasn't at all, but I knew who Boney M was, and that's why I bought it. Um, yeah, no, it's so funny that that was it, my first um, ever single, but I can't change the past. <laughs> well, like, fair play to you for admitting to the truthfully as to what it was. Okay, maybe a little bit better. Your favourite album, tell us about it, why you picked this one. Um... Well, my favorite album is probably Off the Wall by Michael Jackson. Um, okay. You know, Michael Jackson was my teen obsession. Um, you know, he was my whatever, Girls Aloud or whatever it would be. You know, <laughs> God, I'm showing my age, not even Girls Whatever it would be these days. Um, uh, you know, I was obsessed with Michael Jackson when I was, you know, a teenager and pre-internet and all of that. And so I remember like, you know, haranguing my mother, you know, to buy Time magazine because I knew that they were going about to do a cover story on him. You know, that kind of obsession. Yeah. Um, and I, it, it came to its apogee, I guess, you know, with Thriller. But Off the Wall was always my own particular, you know, favorite album. And, you know, I still know every single syllable, every beat, every, you know, part of it. Um, so, you know, and I, you know, I had gotten into the Jackson Five, you know, and then the Jacksons. And um, I started to fall out of love, of love with Michael probably around the Bad album. Um, so it didn't last forever in some ways, but um, he absolutely was my absolute teenage obsession. And um, yeah, let's hear the title track from Off the Wall.
which of course is not the title track, that's Rock With You, produced by Quincy Jones. When he died, what sort of emotions did that stir in you, Rory? Um, uh, Tons, and interestingly, weirdly, uh, maybe in a fun way, I was actually on stage in Panty Bar in the middle of a show when he died. Um, And it was a Saturday night, I guess, or Thursday night, I can't remember, uh, but... Um, in the middle of the show, all the phones started going off. Um, you know, the yeah started ringing and people started getting text messages. And I could sense and see that something was happening. And uh, it turns out it was Michael Jackson. It, well, it's funny because, you know, I, like I said, I sort of started to fall out of love with Michael, sort of just maybe around the Bad album just after that. And, and to me... Um, there were always kind of two Michael Jacksons. There was the Michael Jackson sort of up to that point who I had been obsessed with and, you know, wanted to, you know, worship and be and be friends with and listen to and all that stuff. And then there was the later Michael Jackson um, who in my head, I had already sort of separated him out in a way because, you know, I, he didn't even look the same. And, uh, and so in a weird way, my Michael Jackson had sort of, died a slow death you know a number of years beforehand but it's still of course because he was just such a huge and iconic figure um generally but also of course in my sort of you know musical life um that yeah i had a very i had a lot of emotions and complicated uh, emotions sure. around the time he died yeah we asked your favorite artist you nominated dolly parton why so um well a million reasons i think if you're asking me who's somebody's favorite artist um it has to encapsulate not just the music and the songwriting and all that, but also something about who they are and what they mean to you. And, you know, I've also worshipped Dolly Parton forever. And, you know, I think you anyway, although I'm never confident that everybody will know, but I'm sure you will know what a spectacularly great songwriter and musician she is. Um, Yes. And, you know, always has been. And, but on top of that, then, as a sort of a figure in the music world or in the sort of cultural landscape, um, you know, she's a spectacular woman. She's incredibly smart. She's very funny, which appeals to me. Um, she's a, you know, spectacularly successful businesswoman. And she's also, in, you know, just incredibly open, sort of hearted and giving. And, you know, she employs half of Tennessee and, uh, you know, her... Uh, her imagination book library, you know, covers half the globe and has given literally millions of books to um, children growing up, including here in Ireland. And then, of course, to top all that, she <laughs> bloody well funded the development of the Moderna vaccine. So, um, you know, it's hard to find a you know fault in Dolly at all. So um, I've always loved Dolly, and uh, you know, one of my sort of She's she's the only um, artist, by the way, that I ever did that thing where you queue up at a record store for hours and wait to meet. <laughs> All right, and then you got your meet and greet for how long? I did. I did just for a few minutes. You know, she signed the album and had a little chat and, and all that. Um, and and then about I'd say about fifteen years ago or something, some friends of mine. And this is before the the real internet stuff. But my friends of mine managed to persuade her management somehow or whatever um, to make a little video recording for me and send it to me. And um, it was the best birthday present ever. I said I was a thrill. Let's hear a little (laughs) bit of Dolly Parton's music. Here you come again.
Unfortunately, because we're limited on time, I can't play that in full, although I'd love to. Dolly Parton's Here You Come Again. We also asked you, Rory O'Neill, for the best gigs you were at. You gave us two. First of all, <laughs> tell us about Patti LaBelle in New York City. Um, well, I'm a big Patti. You can sort of sense where my musical tastes are, but um, I love Patti LaBelle, um, and I love her too for the sort of the sort of camp drama of her. And um, I gave you two because... Patty Lavelle, in that case, uh, first of all, it was you know in New York, the Carl Theatre, and secondly, it was because of the, the gay drama of how she opened her show. Um, you know, the, the curtains in the back, and she's standing there in a giant hood and a cloak, and the, the music starts, and then all you see for the first like three whole minutes is her nails slowly appearing out from the opening of the front of the cloak. Um, uh, I love Patty. She's like such a great you know, performer, um, that voice, you know, is incredible, sort of mind blowing. Um, so I love, so I loved that show. Um, but, uh, other than that, I've seen Grace Jones a few times and I think probably my favorite gig ever, if I really had to go and plumb for one is, um, Grace Jones at the Olympia theater there a couple of years ago. Well, before you tell us about it, we actually have something to play from that because the Olympia gig was filmed for a documentary called Bloodlight and Bami and this clip is from the documentary. Okay, that's Grace Jones' warm leatherette. Explain that one to us, please, Rory O'Neill. Uh, well, I, I've always loved Grace. Um, and again, spectacular showwoman. So if you want to go and see somebody live. Um, and But of course, that gig, yes, it was being filmed for that documentary. So um, the, she she was, you know, pulling out all of her best, you know, for it. And there's great theatrics about it. But then for me also, I got to have this special thing about it because um, I, I got to meet her afterwards and hang out in her dressing room and get drunk for a, with her for a couple of hours. Um, so I have, you know, 
all in all, I, you know, you can't repackage that gig and make it better for me, you know. Rory O'Neill, Panty Bliss, stay with us, please, for the second part of the Culture Club, which is coming up straight after the traffic with Estro Moore Donoghue. Welcome back to the Culture Club. Panty Bliss, Rory O'Neill is with us. He, of course, is going to be emceeing Rock Against Homelessness concert in aid of Focus Ireland this weekend. You can get details of how to get tickets to watch the streaming of that via Ticketmaster. So, Rory, we're going to move to movies. And what's this about you loving monster movies? <laughs> um, I do love monster movies. I love, you know, all, all the King Kongs, including the ones you're not meant to like. Um, you know, aliens, all of those. Um, I just love a good monster movie. Why? I don't know. I don't really know. Um, I do. I just. I've always loved them. Um, there's no. I. I. I love this. You know, when they're <laughs> destroying things. Um, I love the fight scenes. Um, I. I don't know why I like monster movies. But you like them. That's fair enough. Like I just, that, yeah, that I do. You, I love them. You did pick another movie for us, which I don't think has any monsters in it. The Prime of Miss Jean no, Brody. Well, that's because um, the Prime of Miss Jean Brody. Like, if somebody's going to be working with me on some sort of you know creative project, I always make sure that they watch the Prime of Miss Jean Brody first, because otherwise, there's not a lot of point because they won't get any of my references. Um, it's had just a massive influence on me and everything. Why to explain do with it panty. for those for those listeners who haven't seen the movie? Tell us about it. Well, it's a 1968. Um, uh, it's um, an Oscar-winning title performance um, by Maggie Smith. Um, 1968 is also the year I was born, interestingly. Um, and it stars Maggie Smith as uh, Miss Jean Brody, and she is a teacher in a very, very conservative, you know, grey uh, girls' boarding school in Edinburgh in the 1930s. And she is um, colourful and artistic and um, treats the kids differently um, than everyone else. And um, it's a little hard to explain, but she, she um, she's a flawed character also. And um, her major, major flaw is um, in the 1930s, she thinks, you know, there's a lot to be said for Mussolini. <laughs> um, and, and her flaws lead to the death of one of her uh, one of the school girls and and turns the other school girls turning against her um but the central performance by maggie smith is effing amazing it's in, incredibly quotable it's from uh it's based on a novella by muriel spark it's sharp it's witty it's clever it's sort of deals with big themes it's just an absolutely brilliant movie it's an incredible central performance um i think we have a scene from it with maggie smith oh, in it as an example oh, listen to the accent little girls i am in the business of putting old heads on young shoulders and all my pupils are the creme de la creme give me a girl at an impressionable age and she is mine for life you girls are my vocation if I were to receive a proposal of marriage tomorrow from the Lord Lion, King of Arms, I would decline it. I am dedicated to you in my prime. And my summer in Italy has convinced me that I am truly in my prime. 
Emily, Mary McGregor, you are new to this institution. It is possible you will hear my teaching methods decried in certain quarters as being unsuitable for a conservative school like Marcia Blaine. That is to say, a school dedicated to the status quo. Can anyone define the status quo? Sandy? Does it mean uh, staying the same, Miss Brodie? Precisely. Staying the same to the point of petrification. P-E-T-R-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. Petrification. I do not intend to devote my prime to petrification. Prop up your books in case of intruders. Maggie Smith in a scene from the Prime and Miss Jean Brodie. Television. Uh, we asked you for formative musical influences. Tell us about the television you watched as a child or teenager. Um, well, the first one that will always come to mind when people ask me about my, my, my sort of TV as a child is Charlie's Angels. Um, I was obsessed with Charlie's Angels. I wanted to be Jill, but I would have taken any of the others, you know, also. Um, you know, they were beautiful and gorgeous and they were bouncing around with shiny, bouncy Californian hair and they carried guns and they, all, you know, did secret missions. I mean, I absolutely wanted to be one of the Charlie's Angels. I still beckon want to be one of the Charlie's Angels. Who doesn't? Um, and I loved all of those types of shows. I was really into the bionic woman and all of that as well. Um, you know, I, I sometimes joke and say, you know, I was raised, you know, by those three women. <laughs> right. And what about current day television? What do you enjoy? Um, well, actually, I've just finished watching C, which is the sort of the science, a science fiction series from 2019 on Apple. Um, and delighted to see it's getting another series. Um, but uh, this year I watched more television this in the last year than I ever have in my whole life. Um, I watched all the box sets that I'd never watched before. Um if I had to just pick one off the top of my head, um, probably call my agent, the the French one about the um, talent agents. And uh, I constantly go back to Bob Burgers when I just want a, a 20 minute giggle. What's Bob's Burgers, which we actually have What's a clip from? Bob's Burgers? Bob's Burgers is then, you know, uh, an animated show about a family that run a burger restaurant. Um, but it's really charming. It's funny. The characters are brilliantly done. Um yeah, no, I love Bob's Burgers. Let's hear a bit from it. Click, 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 click. Louise, stop click, saying click. Click. And Tina, will you stop typing like that? I'm refreshing my email. I'm waiting for an invitation to Tammy's Bob Mitzvah. I believe the term is badminton. Common mistake. No, Jean, Tammy's Jewish. It's a ceremony where she reads from the Torah, lights a candle, and becomes a woman. Sounds like Mike's spa night. Except I read the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh. You know a lot about Bob Mitzvahs for someone who thought Hanukkah was Han Solo and Chewbacca's baby. It's about becoming a woman, and it's a really great party. Why wouldn't I research that? Plus, rumor has it this one's going to be packed with BFOs. What are BFOs? BFOS, boys from other schools. What's wrong with the boys from your school? I need fresh faces and fresh butts. You'll take the butts you're given and you'll like it. Puffs burgers, okay. <laughs> uh, books. Uh, we also, you mentioned earlier your favourite movie, The Prime of Miss Jean Brodie, based on a novella by Muriel Spark, who's the also your favourite author, I believe. Well, she's one of them. I always have such trouble with these things when people ask, you know, what is your actual? Um, I do love Muriel Spark, and mostly because of my absolute obsession with the prime of Miss Jean Brodie, um, which is, you know, it, you know, Panty wouldn't exist without that novella and that movie. Um, but apart from that, like, if you ask me to say, 
which author have I read the most of? It would be Stephen King, because again, I've been reading Stephen King since I was a teenager and um, I, I still enjoy a good uh, Stephen King book. Yeah. And you have a childhood favourite that you still love. I do. Um, if you're going to ask me what book have I read most in my life, it's uh, The Black Stallion by Walter Farley, which is like a, you know, a, a, a child's book or, you know, teenager's book from the 1950s. Um, but I, 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 as well as loving monster movies, I also love all of these stories that are about people who get trapped on desert islands and end up building their own societies. And this is you know, kind of one of those. Um, they made a movie with Mickey Rooney about um, of it. Um, basically, this young boy is on a ship coming from you know the Arab world, and uh, there's a an incredible wild black stallion on the ship too. And the ship goes down, and he and the stallion are the only survivors, and they survive alone on a desert island for a while until eventually they're you know becoming best of friends. But you know only the boy can. You tame him and they get rescued and they go to America and they end up winning the, you know, the Kentucky Derby or, the, you know, um, you know, so it's a really fantastical story. But there's something about it. I've always loved it. We, we actually I have still read it. We have the audiobook version. So let's hear a bit of it. Oh, you do. The Drake stopped at Alexandria, Benghazi, Tripoli, Tunis and Algiers, past the Rock of Gibraltar and turned north up the coast of Portugal. Now they were off Cape Finisterre on the coast of Spain, and in a few days Captain Watson told Alec they would be in England. Alec wondered why the black was being shipped to England, perhaps for stud, perhaps to race. The slanting shoulders, the deep broad chest, the powerful legs, the knees not too high nor too low, these his uncle had taught him were marks of speed and endurance. That night Alec made his customary trip to the stall, his pockets filled with lumps of sugar. The night was hot and still. Heavy clouds blacked out the stars. In the distance, long streaks of lightning raced through the sky. The black had his head out the window. Again he was looking out to sea, his nostrils quivering more than ever. He turned, whistled as he saw the boy, then again faced the water. Alec felt elated. It was the first time that the stallion hadn't drawn back into the stall at sight of him. That's The Black Stallion by Walter Farley. We're almost out of time, Rory. Uh, so very quickly, uh, what podcast would you recommend to us? Oh, well, obviously the Panty Personals. Available on all all platforms. See, we're giving a great chance to plug everything you tonight, are, are. <laughs> including the Rock Against Homelessness concert in aid of Focus Ireland, which Panty Bliss will be emceeing this Sunday, the 20th of June. And if you want to get a ticket to support the event and the great charity, available on Ticketmaster. Tickets for the streamed event cost €23. Euro. Rory O'Neill, Panty Bliss, thank you so much for joining us here on the Culture Club on the last word of today, FM. My pleasure. Thanks, Matt.